Okay, testing. This is a test. Yes. This is a test. She sells she sh- I, oopsies <laughs> she sells seashells by the sea shore Welcome to Two Servings of Fruit. What episode is this? Uh, 13. 13? 13. 13? Okay. 13. No, this is going to be... This is 13. Oh my God, I can't keep fucking count. Yes, this okay. is 13 confirmed. Okay. Lucky number 13. Is that lucky? I think is it's an it? unlucky number. Yeah, I was going to say, are you crazy now? We've got a scent. We've actually really stepped up our game. You can't see it, but we're in a completely sound enclosed room. Just kidding. We have a poster board with foam taped to it, and the foam keeps falling. Uh, listen, we're <laughs> going to figure out how to make it work, okay? The foam was... You had to wash the foam, and then I didn't leave enough time for it to dry. Anyways, you don't care, but it's not sticking, but it will stick, it and will. I will make it work, because I took too much of my time for it to not fucking work, so... You know what works? Uh, banana. Banana always gets sticky. You know, it's like nature's I'm not going to stick the phone with banana. Today's topic is vaccines. Today's topic is the COVID-19 vaccination. Vaccines. Um, yeah. Our guest later today is Dr. Uh, Heidi Twork from UBC. She specializes in messaging around the pandemic. So she's going to be talking with us, which is going to be really exciting. It's like, I feel like she's like an expert expert, you know? Like, yeah. I feel like, like we've had people who are very like knowledgeable mm-hmm. in their fields, but I feel like she's like just like an expert. She's a doctor. Expert. Yeah, you know? she's a fucking doctor. And meanwhile, me and you, we, uh, we're about to get into our weird shit of the week. <laughs> yeah, so Dr. Torek, if you're listening to this, please skip ahead <laughs> because it's about to get uncivilized. <laughs> yes. But first, but first, but first, we should mention that there was some major news this week. Oh, yeah, news we, I think we have to talk about. Yes, absolutely. Derek Chauvin was found guilty on all three charges. Insert applause, sound yeah. effect. That was a historic crazy. moment, honestly. Crazy. Because it really. That whole this whole year has just culminated in that, which was really yeah. great. And then at the same time, like there's still all these killings happening, and it's like that 16 year old was killed the same day. Yeah, Makia Bryant, which is also just the world's fucked. So you're holding your breath when they were going into when they were getting sequestered to to decide the verdict, the jury. I was really like, I don't, I don't know. They like, I thought maybe it'd be a hung jury or. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know. I just, like, I don't know. I think it was two days of deliberation, ten hours a day, right? Did they? I thought they only, I thought they decided on the first day. Oh, I thought I read two days. Oh, maybe. But maybe I'm wrong. And now we're coming up to a year since his murder. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, such a moment watching the yeah. judge. I definitely get people not wanting to be, like, so deeply overjoyed because, obviously, like, the fight's not over mm-hmm. by any means. But I still think it's good to take a moment and just think, like, like that's good. That is good, yeah. Like, that's good. It's okay to have a moment of like relief relief yeah before you get back into it yeah so absolutely lighter note <laughs> yeah lighter note to weird shit of the week <laughs> cue new jingle no no cue old jingle cue the jingle 
You'll oh. get a new one if you get a new one. So stop asking. No, you can ask. But when you ask, just know I'm keeping a tally in my head. And when you die at your funeral, Whoa. I'm just going to say bitch for each time you ask. I'm just going to say bitch, 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 bitch. I'm not. My family's standing there mourning my death. Liam comes in. Bitch, I give bitch, a eulogy. bitch, 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 <laughs> bitch. They would probably just think it's like a gay thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like a code. This is how gays mourn. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, cue jingle. It's the weirdest shit that you've ever seen this week. Yeah, welcome to weird shit. And that was the jingle. That was the jingle. You all heard it. You've all heard it before. <laughs> weird. Yeah. Okay, you go first this time. My weird shit of the week is kind of a cop-out, but it's so on topic with what today's topic is. And it's also just something I almost forgot about because it has been such a crazy year. But my headline today is it's been exactly one year since Trump suggested injecting bleach. Oh, wow. We've never been the same. Is that today? There was one year today, which is... So April um, 23rd, 2020? Yeah, he stood at the lectern in the White House press room, and he said uh, <laughs> maybe a, a, clen- a cleaning of some sort. And he talked about light in the body, using light to kill COVID. Dr. Deborah Burks was sitting there like, oh my fucking God, I have to, I really, this is my job. This is my fucking job. And we all just looked at him and remembered... That is the president of the United States of America telling people to inject themselves with cleaning cleaning solutions. In his defense, I did inject myself <laughs> and I haven't gotten COVID in a year. So also in his defense, he is on a unbelievably stupid person. I just I can't like that was one thing I think that will stick with me for my whole life is the president saying that and then they tried to walk it back Kaylee McEnany was like he was obviously being sarcastic the dude's dead serious he's literally asking Deborah Burks like live like do do you think we could like maybe this will work you know I've I've heard I've heard things around on on the Mar-a-Lago golf course from from some guy maybe thank god we don't have to deal with that anymore yeah it was just insane that was that was the that was the weird shit of the year for real. And I'm thankful to have seen it live. And then the next day, Lysol had to come out and was like, our our products Literally. are not <laughs> meant for internal use. They are not for internal use. Okay. My weird shit is from Huffington Post. The headline is, Florida woman survives being hit by flying turtle. You know how she survived? No. She injected herself with bleach. Wow, full circle, full Full circle, circle Trump was right. He was right. (laughs) The byline is a quote. The quote is, I swear to God, this lady has the worst luck of anything. (laughs) And that quote is from her daughter. (laughs) Her daughter told that to the 911 operator. Oh, jeez. She was 71 years old. Yeah, old lady. She was riding um, in Florida on the Interstate 95. And a turtle smashed through the windshield of the car. Through the fucking windshield! It smashed her in the face. Through the, in the windshield. In the forehead. Smashed her in the forehead. Um, yeah. Through the windshield. Well, the turtle was fine. That's all I care about. Turtle was fine. What about his day? What about... The, I mean, a windshield is not supposed to smash like that. That's why I'm like, that thing must have been going fast. Because when you break a windshield, they kind of have this, like, that weird How? shatterness where, like, the whole thing still yeah. stays together. How is the turtle... Where did the turtle come from? 
I don't know. That maybe, it was at the height of the windshield. I'm, I think I think it said that maybe it got hit by a different car and like kind of bounced oh. up. And then, you know, they're going in opposite directions. So like the speed of the turtle. Yeah. It was enough to go through the windshield. But th- that goddamn turtle had a strong shell. He's been drinking his milk. You know what I mean? He's been drinking his milk. Anyways, that was weird shit of the week. I have nothing to say about that turtle further. I have just, like, I'm still shocked that Trump said that. One year from now, your weird shit will be two years <laughs> two ago. Two years ago, <laughs> Donald Trump did this. Because <laughs> it will never get old. Yeah, no. What an idiot. I guess Trump segues into our topic sort of well. Pandemic, yes. vaccine. I know, I told you it was a really good weird shit of the week. I'm so happy with it. Um, Yeah, today we're going to be talking about the COVID, the coronavirus disease vaccine you could have just said the covid vaccine i could have but then i wouldn't have 30 seconds of me saying covid coronavirus coronavirus disease so so liam have you been vaccinated no i haven't been fucking vaccinated you douche we're in canada and the vaccine rollout is a little slow yeah but you've been vaccinated i have been vaccinated because i work with children yeah and i am a bartender i feel like you should be vaccinated i feel like servers should be vaccinated i want my vaccine. and the restaurant industry like you have to interact with people who are eating and don't have masks on like i feel like that's and they get drunk and then high they come risk. up at you and they're like drunk and trying to talk to you and you're like no i definitely you think that's a high this? risk i just also want it because i just think i haven't been injected with anything in so long I can't forget what a needle's like. Do you have your HPV vaccine? Maybe. They suggest that men get it now, but back when we were in high school, they just thought women should get it, but now they're like, men should get it before they turn 26. I haven't been tested for, uh, like, STDs in years. No, but HPV, the vaccine prevents anal cancer and oral cancer. (laughs) Jeez. And penile cancer. Jeez. Like, all of those. Oh, wow. So I think I'm going to get it. Well, I don't know. Maybe, can they put it in the COVID shot? Like, I don't want to just do so many different vaccines and shit. You could get the HPV and just pretend it's a COVID vaccine to make yourself feel better until you're eligible. Hey, you know what you can do? Go fuck yourself. Okay. How about that? It was just a thought. Yeah. Oh. Oh. (laughs) I have been vaccinated because I work with... Children. children what vaccine did you get i got pfizer mm. and i went to a drive through location and it was so quick and easy i was the only car there they just they just jabbed me and i left how well, did you I had feel to afterwards i felt totally fine i mean they told me so i went i had an appointment for 3 45 and then they called me at 2 30 and they're like everyone who was supposed to come now has canceled so could you come an Jesus. hour early and i was like sure like i can come right now so i just left right away like Mm-hmm. And I got there. I was the only car there the whole time I was there. The entire 15 minutes I waited, I was the only car there. So and weird. so they jabbed me. She jabbed me really high. Like, it was on my fucking shoulder. Yeah, that was... When you showed everyone, me, like, kind of where, I was like, Jesus. Everyone I showed that to was like, that is not the right spot. That's like going up in your <laughs> joints. Like, not even... <laughs> so it really hurt the next day. Like, lifting my arm was uh. like... Because it was like right here. But anyways, they are like... You have to wait 15 minutes in case you have an allergic reaction. The most common are throat and tongue swelling. So, like, while I was waiting for the 15 minutes, I, like, feel like I was just getting so in my head. I thought my tongue was swelling. I was like, oh, Mm. oh, I'm having an allergic reaction. But I wasn't. (laughs) Well, it's good you didn't have any, like, symptoms. Like, I know some people who have gotten the shot and they've had, like, a fever. Well, I also heard that most of those, like, flu-like symptoms come from the second dose. Oh, yeah, I have heard that, too. And the way we're doing it in Canada, which is highly criticized, is four months in between first and second doses, which, for perspective, like, America is, I think, three weeks. 
right now. Are they still doing that? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's no more than two months, which is what Pfizer and Moderna recommend. But anyways, we're doing four months so that everyone can get the first dose, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> so I get my second dose August 3rd. Oh, yeah. Which is two days before my birthday. Oh, my God. So, so you can go to Junction on your birthday. I'll be there at Junction. <laughs> Only vaccinated people invited. So. Jeez. Uh... So none of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have not been vaccinated, fucking unfortunately. But hopefully soon. Are you registered? Mm-hmm. The registration thing opened up, like, really early for everyone. But then it was, like, I don't know. It was just weird. I don't know. And now I've registered twice, actually. So <laughs> maybe I'll get two times as much vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a preference for what vaccine you'd want? Um, Honestly, uh, Johnson Johnson's one shot, right? Yeah. Then that one. Just so you only have to do it once. Just so I don't have to, yeah, deal with that four-month wait. I don't think they're doing J&J in Canada right now, though. No. They're not, right? Are you scared of needles or not an issue? Not anymore. I used to... Oh, my God. I want to talk about vaccine memories, which honestly segues pretty well because I was going to say, I used to be terrified. Of needles? Oh, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I just thought they'd hurt or something. And then every time I get one, I'd be like, it wasn't bad. And then, like, even sometimes I'll still, like, when I get a shot, I'm like, ooh. Like, the, like there's a little bit of anxiety just about, like, the mm-hmm. pinch, you know? Yeah. But I recently cut myself so bad at work, like, a couple months ago. Like, so bad. You saw Jesus. my fucking... Yeah, I saw the gash. Yeah, I saw Oh, that is a scar. Yeah. Basically, I impaled myself almost with a wine glass stem. And my fucking flesh wounds... My flesh was wide open. And I've never had stitches before. I went to the ER the next day because it was still bleeding. Which, honestly, I should have gone the first day. But I was like, I think it's yeah, okay. Yeah, you should have gone the fucking first day. But my manager was like, oh, I don't... I think, don't worry too much. Like, he was trying to calm me down. And then I, I, yeah. Anyways, so I didn't go the first day. <laughs> Did you file like a work save? Well, yeah, because I didn't want to pay for my shit. So. Yeah. When they stitched it, they have to inject the wound with like a, like they inject the wound with um, Trigger warning. an anesthetic. <laughs> and that I was already just so anxious just because my wound was wide open. I'm literally like, I, the lady wanted me to sit. And then I was like, okay. And I was like, clearly fucking freaking out. She's like, do you want to lay down actually? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was laying down. I had my fucking wound open. I'm so bad with blood, and I was like trying not to look Are you at bad it. With blood? Yeah, and it was like kind of bleeding a bit, and then they injected it with the fucking anesthetic, and that kind of stung a bit. Like they're like, it's gonna sting, and then it's gonna, you're not gonna feel anything. Yeah. And then when they were like actually stitching it, it just felt like tugging, like this but very not painful. It wasn't painful, but it was more just like this very dull like tugging sensation, like kind of around the wound. And then like he kept like putting so much pressure on it, and then it was like so swollen. I was like, fuck, that would hurt if I did not have fucking anesthetic on that shit and then i was yeah oh god just the thought of that makes me crazy have you um donated blood no i'm not well i guess i am eligible now it's been so long since i've had sex <laughs> yeah That's, i'm not even kidding yeah you could donate blood now i could i think it's three months now i think i would pass out i think really I if, you donate- if i saw all that blood just knowing that oh my god the thought of it right now is like literally making me dizzy before i was sexually active i donated blood twice and it was i some water (laughs) i like watched it come out of the we actually you know what we need to get back on track to vaccines because i'm getting lightheaded talking about blood this much a little pale a little dewy oh fuck (laughs) jeez louise anyways (laughs) um i yeah i used to be really scared of needles and i would cry when i had to get my fucking grade six shot or like my grade nine shot even i went to south africa in high school and 
that was my worst vaccine because my arm was so sore for the next like week. Really? Like sore. Like I couldn't like for a long time too. Yeah. I felt like maybe like maybe they put it in the wrong spot. Like not the wrong spot, but maybe my arm was too tense or something because like the muscle was so sore. But it was also yeah. like four vaccines in one shot. I've never had an issue with needles. I mean, I do think that vaccines kind of hurt. Like they sting a bit. Like my COVID one stung a bit. Like, well, yeah, there's like a pinch because you're comfortable, getting comfortable, but it's like but it lasts like two seconds. Yeah, oh, it's fine. And, and I've given did. blood, like not bags of blood, but like I've given blood and that kind of doesn't sting but like it feels like the needle's still in your arm when they take it out so you have donated blood or for for gay sex (laughs) like gay sex gay sex yeah yeah std check gay sex yeah yeah i don't have an issue with needles but i did yeah i used to but not anymore i went with my boyfriend to get his vaccine and i watched her do it in his arm yeah i don't look when i'm getting a shot yeah i didn't look when mine was done but i just watched because I was just standing there. And honestly, watching it, I felt a little bit like... Yeah, I don't like watch. I can't watch. I I still won't watch. I'll look away. Yeah. Because, oh, especially giving blood, like seeing your blood. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) But I would have, like, back onto, like, the COVID vaccine, I would have taken whatever they wanted to give me. Yeah, I would, honestly, I still would take whatever. I keep seeing TikToks about how bougie Pfizer sounds compared to Moderna and how... I think Moderna sounds bougier. I do think Pfizer sounds bougier. The name? Yeah. Pfizer versus Moderna. I think Moderna sounds like modern. It's in the name. Pfizer is a silent P, so it's superior. I think Pfizer and I think just big pharma. And then I just think corrupt, horrible corporation. And I don't think... I think Moderna and I think... Oh, what is that? Silicon Valley? Well, TikTok's against you, so... Well, TikTok can go suck my ass. How do the vaccines work? Can you explain it to me? I feel like you have more of a handle on it than I do. I have the loosest handle on it. But on how vaccines work? Yeah, I mean, there's different types. Well, Pfizer and Moderna are mRNA, which yeah. I know this COVID vaccine has been studied for decades. They just like repurposed it for COVID. I do know that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they've been oh. working on mRNA vaccines for... Well, I know that's where Moderna, the name comes from, is mRNA. Yeah. Because they were working on those. Decades. And then when COVID happened, they just kind of pivoted a bit and tried to make it like the COVID vaccine. And wow. it worked. So all the anti-vaxxers saying it's brand new biological technology like it's not true they go through these i know for one thing for sure vaccines even these covid vaccines that came out very quickly still under like they had to go through so much rigorous testing like these are safe effective vaccines yeah that is just a fact and i think we'll get into more of the messaging with these vaccines when we talk to dr Dr. yeah so mRNA is like uh, basically where they take like just a very small portion of the DNA of the virus, the mRNA specifically, which is used to by your body. Your body reads that, starts producing proteins that are like the spike proteins on the COVID virus. Only those proteins, your body recognizes those proteins mm. as like um, intruders in the body. And that's where you start producing antibodies. So even though you have the proteins in your body, you never actually, those proteins can't create the virus. You cannot get the virus from it. There's no way that you can get COVID from that. Um, Interesting. With the adenovirus vaccines, which are... AstraZeneca and J&J. AstraZeneca and J&J. They take this, like, effectively neutered version of COVID 
where it's it's similar in the way that it's like your body sees these spike proteins and that's really all that's kind of picked up from it but there's no other again you can't get covid from the vaccine but they take this like really dead form of the virus just so your body sees those proteins and again you produce an antibody response interesting yeah and i've heard i've i listened to a different podcast and these were scientists yeah we are not scientists so, uh, we are yeah. not we are not, yeah, we are not, um, we are just gays in your ear. Yeah. But the adenovirus vaccines are those AstraZeneca, Johnson, Johnson vaccines. Yeah. And then mRNAs, Moderna and Pfizer, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously we have to talk about just like the misinformation and the conspiracies mm. and all of that. I just want to say I cannot stand anti-vaxxers. <laughs> <laughs> and I know some anti-vaxxers, so. I think it's just it's really sad to see like people fall into such a trap like that which is so obviously i mean not obvious i mean maybe obvious maybe obvious is like subjective though yeah but i think when we talk about controversy around vaccines and anti-vaxxers we kind of almost have to you know this is not a new phenomenon i think we have to recognize that anti-vaxxers have been around for a long time jenny mccarthy Oh my god, fucking Jenny McCarthy and Cap on D. Like, don't yeah. get started. And vaccines cause autism and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, this Insane. whole holistic, like, so, like, all of this kind of stems from that one guy who wrote this article, like, this peer-reviewed paper right. that then got completely disavowed. Yeah, wasn't, was he a doctor? He was. He had a yeah, team. And, and then he wrote about how vaccines cause autism, right? Yeah, and he had this team with him, and then the whole, the whole rest of the team has since been like, no, that was That was false. Not, yeah. Yeah, the paper has been completely... Discredited. Completely discredited. Yeah. And everyone's still like, but look at his paper. Everyone still references him. I know. It's insane. So I think that's where that comes from. And then and then now, of course, people just kind of, they get all this information on Facebook, which is just this completely unregulated, super saturated market yeah. of just fucking lies and no verification whatsoever. And the algorithm puts you in these bubbles where you don't even get access to opposing information. Like you just get shown. Well, that's a whole other issue with, with how, conspiracy theories yeah, in general. With how Facebook is mm-hmm. the devil. And yeah. WhatsApp, I mean, but that's under Facebook and YouTube. Yeah. It's yeah. like these companies, yeah, they are really breeding grounds for, for all this misinformation to spread. And there's just like so many resources for the misinformation too. Like if you already believe something, like say you believe vaccines cause autism, then like what you're looking for on the internet is things to support your point. You know what I mean? Like people, I'm sure some people do, but I feel like people don't search for opposing views when they believe something. They search for people who agree with them. And then it becomes this whole community of people that believe these crazy conspiracy theories. Yeah. Like the newest one I told you today, shedding. Someone I know, he has a friend who's co worker will not work with him because he got the vaccine because there's this new conspiracy theory where they think you shed the virus like if you have a vaccine you shed covid and if you're around someone they will get it like yeah it's insane what is that based on yeah bill gates microchips like who no i've been trying to talk to bill gates for three weeks now since i got my vaccine <laughs> and he's not responding he's not listening he has not sent me any money i've asked for <laughs> yeah i think this is just been so many lies spread that are just like insane and not only that it's like oh you're worried about being tracked by the government dude it's too fucking late. We all carry around cell phones. What do you think? If yeah. they wanted to track us, 
COVID is 5G. COVID is 5G. What the fuck? You don't even know what 5G is. Yeah, it's so crazy. And it's gotten to the point, like, I have, I know people who will, like, argue with these people on Facebook. I just, like, can't be bothered. I really can't be bothered to get into arguments with these people because they don't see anyone else's perspective they just think we're all brainwashed crazy people yeah and i think um i've also heard you know like obviously no one's gonna no one's gonna want to do what you want them to do if you like kind of shame them into doing it you know what i mean so i think when it comes to messaging with people who are very anti-vaxxers i think dr twerk is gonna have some yeah she is an expert yeah with communicating with anti-maskers anti-vaxxers so we'll definitely talk to her about uh, how do you get through to these people (laughs) like what what the fuck yeah call me a sheep but fucking jab me up Literally. Give me all of them. I don't give a shit. Literally, all four at once. Yeah. We are getting close, I want to say. To the end. We see... We have the vaccines. You know, this time last year, in the summer, we didn't even know if the vaccine was going to be ready. We didn't even know what vaccines were going to be available, you know? Mm-hmm. We have multiple vaccines that are safe and effective and are being used on the general population right now. And at the same time, yeah. we're seeing, you know... At least in Canada, huge rise in cases. Yeah, I, I haven't completely in the third wave. I haven't looked at America's numbers recently, but when I looked, when they were doing two million a day, mm-hmm. their numbers within a month went from like two hundred thousand cases a day to fifty thousand. Yeah, because they're vaccinating at such high rates, and yeah. we are vaccinating incredibly slowly. Yeah, and our cases are skyrocketing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's very frustrating because you see, you're like you're you know like you can in the summer you know like people are gonna be outside. The vaccine or the virus doesn't spread as much when people are outside. Yeah, those are all like really positive. And then at the same time, it's like we're still like we're we are getting more restrictions on the daily here. Yeah, like last summer at the time, it I was upset and frustrated that I couldn't like go places. You know what I mean? Because obviously you want to travel in the summer. Mm. But I understood, obviously. I was okay with being able to travel within the province last mm-hmm. summer, and I'm okay with that this summer, but I'm just becoming increasingly worried that, like, that's not even going to be possible. I'm optimistic that, you know, May is the last fucking month of more restrictions. Like, yeah. I'm not expecting summer to be, like, you know, crazy, but I am expecting no. it to be at least, like, last summer. I want to be able to go to Kelowna. <laughs> I want to be able to go... The yeah. island, like, just in, within BC. Like, we, I not... want to be able to go to a restaurant that doesn't close at 10. Yeah. Or get a drink served to me at 11 p.m. at night. That just seems so exciting and foreign right now. Isn't that? Yeah. <laughs> right? But there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just, I feel like that it's a long tunnel still. Yeah, absolutely. But this time last year, I don't, there was really no light. So. No. So, you know, we are getting close, but we are so tired. I think everyone is so fucking Pandemic tired. Pandemic fatigue is like a real thing. It is exhausting. And it was rough in the winter. When oh my the weather, God. When it got dark and the weather was terrible and we still couldn't really do anything. Now at least there's some sunshine to heal that, my soul. Literally the months of November to February it's a blur are a blur. Yeah. I don't even remember anything. Like my, I so literally true. could not even pick out a day in November. Where we're, almost except, in the, we're, uh, al- we're almost in the fifth month of the year. I know. 2021. I know. Where, what did I do? I don't even know what I did. I I think I ate and drank and that's it. (laughs) I mean, you did dry January. You didn't even drink. I know. What did I do for January? I literally didn't do anything for January. It literally is a blur. Like I'm struggling to remember. But anyways, that's all really I have. 
Dr. Heidi Twarek is Associate Professor of International History and Public Policy at the University of British Columbia, Vancouver, Canada. She is an award-winning researcher of media, history, health communications, international organizations, and platform governance. She is a member of the Science and Technology Studies Program, the Language Science Initiative, and the Institute for European Studies at UBC. She is a Senior Fellow at the Center for International Governance Innovation, as well as a non-resident fellow at the German Marshall Fund of the United States and the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. Please welcome to the pod, Dr. Heidi Twarek. Hello. Hi. (laughs) There we go. I've made Zoom work. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing pretty well, you know. I mean, it's not raining outside. That's always the thing we have to be grateful for in Vancouver, right? Absolutely, yeah. So I should say that I'm a health communications expert and not an epidemiologist, so. Yeah, Yeah, we're just going to jump right into it then. My most burning question would be about anti-vaxxers. I find them incredibly frustrating. (laughs) But um, I just want to ask you, What's an effective way to communicate with people who are so against vaccines? Yeah, it's a great question. I think one of the things that that we try to do is to to recognize there's actually a whole spectrum of attitudes that people bring towards vaccines. And one of the things that that we've sometimes done in this uh, pandemic is to tar people who just have legitimate questions and concerns as being anti-vaxxers, right? And I worry about that because sometimes people have concerns. And I think especially around, you know, these are quick vaccines, lots of stuff is happening, lots of guidelines. So sometimes people have questions. And if we don't approach that with empathy and try and figure that out, somehow we kind of push them into the anti-vaxxer camp by making it seem like, questions aren't legitimate. So I think that's sort of one group of people where actually really sort of listening, just trying to understand what's your question, trying to find the answer to that question, trying to figure out who's the person you trust, right? Might be your primary care physician, might be someone in your community. So that's one group where I think actually that kind of empathetic approach would help a lot. And then there's the hardcore anti-vaxxers, which I'm guessing are the people that you're referring to. (laughs) And that's very complicated because there's a sort of hardened and entrenched attitude at that point, um, which often has emerged from before the pandemic. And and one of the things that that we know from research is that um, there's also been a lot of exploitation of that on social media, which has been heavily funded by certain individuals who've been pushing and discredited anti-vaxxer narratives for quite some time. Um, And that in the US, right, there's specific, specific figures who do that. But then there's also been sort of foreign interference where we've seen, and this is super interesting, um, some scholars have found that actually, you know, Russia will argue on both sides. So both pro and anti-vax. And the idea is just to make people fight each other. <laughs> so how, do we, how do we deal with people who are kind of hard core about this. Um, one thing I think is, is again, to try and actually engage them as an individual um, and to try and, you know, ask questions because often when we just go super hardcore and say, well, vaccines are fantastic, may not work as well, but sort of trying to ask questions so that maybe later they think, well, where is my information coming from? And how do I know this thing? And, and trying to get away. And I know we all have this. We want the person to say, you're right. Vaccines are good. Yeah. But that mm-hmm. like that satisfying moment is probably not going to happen. And the most satisfying thing would be if that person can move from being anti-vaxxer to being maybe vaccine hesitant. Um, and sometimes just asking them questions about where's the information coming from. I'm just wondering who the source is. Like, why do you think that's a legitimate expert? Kind of going through those questions, but in a way that's super genuine as well. Not in a like, gotcha, I know the right answer. <laughs> that puts us all off. So asking those questions genuinely with empathy, 
trying as far as we can to resist wanting to have the gotcha moment. Those are at least some ways, but acknowledging like this is super hard. Totally. When you're touching on like social media and how this definitely is not something that's, that's, you know, a new phenomenon, certainly not like relatively new at least. But um, one thing that is at least becoming more and more apparent is that like this whole pandemic has become very heavily politicized. Would you put the onus of that more so on the people in power or on those social media networks that create those bubbles? Mm, I think it's a little, it's a little bit of both. <laughs> uh, academics always like to say that things are complex. So I'll say that things are complex, but then I'll, I'll break it down for you a little bit. So one thing that, that we know from other studies is that the faster that governments came out with guidelines, the fewer people were searching for quack cures and buying them online. So governments that could come out with really effective communications, they did it fast, they did it frequently, they acknowledged mistakes, you know, all that kind of stuff. We found that generally you would have a less politicized response to the pandemic and you'd have fewer people doing the kind of stuff that, that I think you're referring to that's very politicized. So there are lots of ways in which effective public health communications can forestall some of that stuff. So that's one element. Um, but the other element is just the way in which social media works and what it incentivizes. And, and what we saw is that, you know, there are lots of economic incentives to push sensationalist stuff or even to push certain things that get a lot of clicks. So the way I like to explain this is you can think about a social media network as content agnostic. It doesn't care what the content is as long as it generates engagement. So if that stuff is sensationalist and wrong, uh, it's gonna spread widely. And we also know, unfortunately, that human beings are more motivated by negative emotions than positive emotions. So in the moment of pandemic that is scary, and we don't know what we're doing, the stuff that's negative, that's critiquing, playing on our fears, is probably going to go viral much faster than the more kind of nuanced takes. So the way in which social media algorithms, et cetera, function are also probably going to end up pushing some of the, the most extreme takes in some cases. So I'd say it's a combination of both of those things uh, happening simultaneously. So there's lots that public health officials can do, um, but there's also some, some ways in which social media platforms and their structures bear responsibility as well. I wanted to ask you about AstraZeneca and I know, what was that podcast we listened to? Podcast 19. Yeah, where they were talking about AstraZeneca's messaging and kind of like mm -hmm. what going on there. So maybe if you could like break that down a little bit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there are many things going on there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the first thing I would say is it's kind of a tragedy because if you look at the, the data on AstraZeneca, I mean, it, it is almost 100% effective as far as we can tell in preventing hospitalization and death. Yeah. And, and that's the number one thing that we want to do, right? I mean, of course, we want as few cases as possible, but, but we want people to survive if they do get it. So that's, you know, and the, the tragedy is that despite that, we have, you know, decreasing levels of trust in this vaccine. I think there's a, there's a whole host of, of reasons for that. One is that um, its own messaging has been very poor. <laughs> um, there have been multiple moments where, you know, there, there was a, a mess up with one of their original trials. And then there was a mess up with the data that they released, which was about efficacy, which is um, about how many people end up potentially catching COVID, even if they've got the vaccine. And there was a slight difference between 76 versus 79% efficacy. But this made the vaccine seem unreliable and the, the company seemed somehow untrustworthy because it wasn't being as transparent with the data. Um, but the even bigger tragedy about that messaging is that was only about the efficacy of whether you caught COVID or not. In both cases, the risk of hospitalization or death 
was still incredibly low, like basically zero. And so that's been, and that's partly a, a media problem that we focused on this efficacy percentage. Whereas mm-hmm. actually the thing that surely matters the most is how bad is this for you? Um, do you go to hospital? Do you die? And that should be our kind of most baseline thing. So I, I think a lot of these messaging things have been incredibly important, right? Um, because it's really undermined trust in AstraZeneca as a vaccine. So um, some scholars out of um, U of T and McGill have been doing lots of survey research looking at Canadians' trust in vaccines. And one of the, the key things they found is that, of course, people now have brands that they trust more than others. And they can show how over time the trust in AstraZeneca has decreased. So there are fewer people willing to take that than willing to take Pfizer and Moderna. And given the situation that we're in in lots of places, that's a real tragedy because taking the AstraZeneca vaccine can, can save a huge amount of lives. Um, so I think it's one of those, you know, if, I'm, if one writes a case study of the pandemic communications, that's definitely a chapter on uh, things we could have done better. You're talking about the, the company itself, but I am also curious to know, how you think um, the media's role has been in maybe exacerbating some of those fears. You know, like like you said, those negative headlines do run more clicks. And around COVID coverage, there has been really highly negative headlines. You know, you see oftentimes there'll be stories on front pages of news articles that are like, uh, this person was vaccinated, but they still got COVID. Obviously, I don't think that's the right message to be sending right now, but like, how can the media better adapt to providing reliable information as well? Yeah, it's a great question. Because of course, lots of these ones where they run a headline like, blah, was vaccinated, but still got COVID. And you dig deep, you're like, yes, they got COVID, but it was incredibly mild, <laughs> which seems an important fact to have friends. Person who caught COVID despite having vaccine had, ter- had, had very mild case and was okay. You know, um, yeah. and of course, there's still a lot of stuff that we don't know. Um, you know, we still don't know, for example, what's the long COVID situation after the vaccine. Um, but, you know, we, we're starting to get a lot of data that's telling us what a miracle these vaccines are. Honestly, I mean, it is incredible how quickly they came, how effective they are. Um, It's quite a miracle story. And yet you're quite right. You know, the stuff that we're hearing about the vaccine is almost all negative. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And there isn't a huge kind of amount about how how positive it is. So I think one of the, you know, one of the ways that that we can think about this is is doing what actually one epidemiologist, Madhu Pai at McGill has been doing. He's actually been running an epidemiology 101 for journalists course, which I think is fantastic because it means that you're trying to actually give journalists the opportunity to learn about this stuff so that they can do more responsible reporting, uh, which is one way to, to think about this. And the other is, you know, for, for us to, these uh, people like me to keep pointing out on the sidelines, here's some, here's some better ways we can report about this. Um, here's some other ways that, that we can think about this. Um, so here's how we can, you know, stop having photos of people on a beach as if that's a bad thing, but they're actually outside. So that's way better than being inside. So um, there's all sorts of stuff that, that I think we can critique about the, the media coverage that, that goes along with these sort of sensationalist finding of the individual examples that generate a lot of clicks without giving us a real sense of um, broadly how stuff works. And maybe the final thing I'll say is that one thing that, that not just the media, but we as humans in general struggle with is risk communication. We're really, we just are so bad at understanding risk, right? It's why more people are scared of flying in a plane than they are of driving a car, even though statistically being in a car is way, way more dangerous than being in a plane. Right. And so, too, with things like um, side effects from the vaccine, including the very, very serious ones, we have a really hard time 
weighing up the risks of that. And so this is one thing where also a lot of the media coverage has had a hard time. Um, and there's a great center at Cambridge, which is the Winton Center, which looks at risk communication. They've been trying to put out graphics that the media could then use, right? Including about vaccines to say, hey, here's the graphic which shows you, here are the side effects, um, here are the very serious side effects, here's the possibility of you getting that versus the possibility of you getting COVID and having a serious problem. So stuff like that would be great to see more of in the media because it would actually help us as consumers of it to really get a sense of what's the sensationalist story that I read because it is somehow titillating um, and what's yeah. the actual danger to me as a human being. And I mean, in the same vein, like how the media talks about it is one thing, but how can government um, affect the way we, we talk about the vaccines and the rollout as well? Oh, they can do a lot. So <laughs> there was, um, there've been, you know, people have been looking into this for a long time. How can governments do a better job at, at communication or health communication? And so one study that was done, this was before the pandemic, they looked at public health guidelines on, on a bunch of government's websites and they found that most of them were at a Fleisch-Kincaid reading level that was university level, which of course is not the level that most people in the population have. And even those of us who might have been to university might want to have something simpler when it comes to public health guidelines, but something we can skim yeah. quickly and understand. So that yeah. tells us there was already work to do in making this information accessible. Um, and then the other problem is it's mostly text. And actually all of us as humans, um, we process information that's visualized in different ways that, that actually are much easier for us to understand. So that's one way that the governments can just say, okay, how are we gonna invest what's ultimately a pretty small amount of resources into making the information we already have visually accessible to as much of our population as possible. And that's already something that would make a huge difference. Um, and we see it in, you know, even in, in BC where, where we are, that actually um, journalists are picking up a lot of the slack on that. Um, they're producing a lot of the graphs that everybody is looking at. So Justin McElroy from CBC is making a lot of, you know, fantastic graphs and charts and he's using uh, data from the government. But the question is, of course, uh, why is that left to a journalist and might we not have uh, public health and government do that for us. Mm -hmm. The restrictions themselves, yeah. like when it comes to communicating those, I think here we've seen a lot of confusion around the world, even like just, there's definitely been times where those restrictions were, you know, people had no idea what was going on really. Where did that breakdown kind of start for you, do you think? Oh, it's a great question. And then I'm going to turn it back to you because I'm very <laughs> curious about your perspective on this as well, right? So, I mean, I think, do you want to talk just about BC or about other places? Yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll keep it local. That's probably yeah. easier for us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. All right, so I'll give an answer, but then I'm very curious about your answer. So, okay. you know, obviously um, BC is kind of unusual because Bonnie Henry is fulfilling two roles at once, right? So she is um, both telling us the science and she's also kind of telling us the meaning of it, right? Like be kind, be calm, be safe, all that sort of stuff. And in most of the other places that had effective communication, you had the scientists were delivering the guidelines and the politicians were telling you something about the meaning of this, how we should as, as citizens feel about it. So there's a big burden that BC has placed on one individual um, who I think in light of that has, has done a pretty good job. But there's always going to be problems when you expect one person to do the bulk of communication for you. Um, and one of the most obvious ones has been, I think, the fairly weak social media game that we've seen in BC, right? Um, and that's something I've been talking about since last June, July. I mean, it's been a long time. And of course, now, you know, sometimes there are Twitter ads and stuff, but social media is, is not just that, right? Um, there are many ways in which it, it can be 
having spoken about all the bad things about social media, there's also really good things, which is that you can really meet different audiences where they're at and you can figure out what's a message that works on Snapchat versus TikTok versus Twitter versus Facebook. It also enables you to have more two-way conversations, that kind of stuff. And I think that is potentially a place where a lot of confusion could have been cleared up much faster. So rather than waiting for the next press conference, really, and also just gathering material, like what are people confused about? How can we answer these questions as quickly as possible? Can we have someone, you know, sitting on Reddit doing an AMA, quickly answering those questions and then compiling them into an FAQ or plopping it up in a Twitter thread? And you need the capacity to do that bonnie henry only has 24 hours in a day like the rest of us you'd need yeah. some other people to be on board to do that and that i think would have probably really helped to clear up some of the confusion much much more quickly and to recognize that the vast majority of us um, don't have the time to watch press conferences at 1 or, or 3 p.m you know we might be getting our news from elsewhere okay but but i would love to hear from you what do you think <laughs> about that like especially maybe especially the social media bit but other bits like what do you think they could have done better I mean, I definitely, I, I get what you're saying about just like having a, a forum where we can get answers to questions quickly because when they, I think one thing is they they try to create these restrictions as broad as possible so they don't have to spend so much time breaking down all the nuance of it. But then in your day-to-day -day life, you're kind of confused. Like I live alone, so am I still not supposed to see absolutely anyone whatsoever when someone else might live in a house with eight people yeah. or something like that? So that, those kinds of things were not really explicitly articulated during those press conferences or when those headlines come out, they just kind of, they sh they shorten everything down to one phrase like, oh, tra there's travel restrictions in BC, but what exactly does that look like for us in the lower mainland? What, you know, is it going to be, are we going to be stopped on transit? Are we going to be stopped in cars? You know, like those kinds of questions, they can't really anticipate until people start asking them. So I think it does just come down to how quickly they can they can get on those questions before people just start coming up with things themselves. I mean, that's how I see it at least. No, I agree. I feel like during this whole pandemic, I've I've searched so long on government websites, <laughs> on the government of BC website to find answers that just aren't there to like more specific questions like even when we introduced the bubble system I don't think it was very clear that like you should have all the same people in your bubble and like your bubble co-mingles with other people's bubbles and like the whole thing I feel like they try to reduce it into a catchy short phrase that will stick and it's not quite clear what that means deeper down mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know what this speaks to? I mean, it's, it's very boring and public policy, but it just speaks to the basics of institutional capacity, right? Like you have to have enough people whose job is to communicate stuff that you can answer these kind of questions and you can have many different channels that people can reach out on. So, you know, I did this big study looking at nine different countries on five different continents and their communications during the first six months of COVID. And the places that did the, the most stellar job, right, the Taiwans and the South Koreas, et cetera, they just have massive institutional capacity to do communications. I mean, in Taiwan, you know, the they have a digital minister who's also doing stuff, but, you know, they had a chatbot and they had a phone hotline and all these other kinds of ways that people could reach out when they had questions. Because you're right, there's always going to be those exceptional situations. I think what BC tried to do is give people, which is not bad, some autonomy, um, but then sometimes people didn't, there was a sort of uncertainty as to whether you were breaking the rules or you were doing what was allowed within the rules and just having a little bit of more two-way communication to ask those questions. You would have just needed more kind of staff people <laughs> to answer them, even if the, the answer was 
it's up to you. Um, just that reassurance that you weren't breaking guidelines. So I guess my feeling is that, you know, most people really, really want to follow the guidelines. And that often when people are breaking them, it was because they were confused, not because they were malicious. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Just to kind of end it on more of a lighter note, have you been vaccinated? I wish, no. Oh, not <laughs> not <laughs> Yet, which is, you know, you're going to be to reveal my age by telling you that. <laughs> but, soon, um, but no, you know what? Soon. But also, you know what? What I hope for the vaccination program is that the, the people who, who need it most will get it right. The people who are working in person, we know that workplace transmission is the major place this is happening. And I am a deeply privileged person who's able to work from home. And so I am more than happy to wait my turn as we make sure that the people who are doing the kinds of jobs where they have to be there in person and they are performing essential functions for us that, that they get vaccines as soon as possible now that we're really doing well with protecting the elderly. So that's my, you know, that's my hope that, that I'm happy to wait if the people who are doing the kind of work that enable me to work from home will get their vaccine very soon. I did get my first dose because I work with children, like I'm educational staff. It's not within a school district. It's within a private company. And I called and they booked me in and everything was good. I've had like six coworkers who also called and two of them got it. And the other ones were told they're not eligible so there's a big like discrepancy in in who is eligible and like the people on the hotlines who are booking people through it's just kind of like it depends who you get on the phone is what it feels like and I'm not sure why yes I mean I think there is you know this is this is always true whenever you make a category there's always fungibility in it right like who who is even who is an essential worker, right? Or who is sort of front facing enough. And so there is, you know, going to be a bit of fungibility. I think when you, even who is a healthcare worker, you know, how close are you to other people also becomes kind of difficult to define. So why it is exactly in your case, when you're all doing it sounds like the same job, you ended up with different odds. I mean, this is why people end up ringing multiple times, isn't it? Because they try to find another person. Um, and this is this, this difficulty that we've landed in in Canada for a whole host of historical reasons where we have much more demand than supply at this moment, which has to do with the dismantling of domestic capacity to manufacture vaccines, right? Um, so we're in these very difficult situations where we only have a certain amount. Um, and of course, you know, at some times there aren't enough. Uh, but certainly, you know, look, looking at places like um, Ontario, for example, what we see is that in places like Brampton, where, I mean, this is in the Peel region, which is where, amazingly, I learned today, 40% of all Amazon packages that, that arrive in Canada are processed through the Peel region, which is unreal, right? And so, of course, it's a place where there's a lot of COVID because people have to work in person, and yet they are not getting enough vaccines so that you can really kick this thing. Um, and that would make a huge difference. So, you know, hopefully that's where we, you know, <laughs> that's where we can go in various places with this, because that's going to make a huge difference um, so that, you know, people like you and others who are working with humans in person get the vaccine before those of us who statistically can afford to, to wait a little bit longer. But I agree with you, there's, there's a certain amount of arbitrariness at this point, um, depending on how firmly you're in a category. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I know this is uh, finals time as well. I don't know if you're dealing with a lot right now with like, you know, being at UBC, it's probably a bit of a chaotic time for all the professors and everything. So thank you so much for joining us today. 
Oh, it's my pleasure. What a nice way to end the week to have a to have a chat with people. And I'm so glad that you're interested in this topic. It's great. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Bye. We just want to thank Dr. Heidi Torek again for coming on the podcast. Yes, uh, very insightful conversation. Mm-hmm. We will have all of uh, Dr. Torek's information and her website in the description of this episode. Check out some of her work. It's very insightful. And now we're talking about music. Song time! Song time! Song time! <laughs> that segue! That segue! Song time! Time for a song! That segue! This is my song. <laughs> What's your song of the week? My song of the week is... I forget the name. Let me pull it up. You Already Know featuring Nicki Minaj by Fergie. That's a good song. I like that song since it came out. Even though that, that album overall was a bit of a... A bit of a... Yeah, but I do like this song. There are a few gems on that album. Mm-hmm. She shouts at one part. That's all I remember. Mm-hmm. What does she shout again? This is how we do! Not that part. Not that part. Nicki Minaj's verse is so good. My song of the week is Speed Demon by Michael Jackson. Oh, what? How does that go? Which <laughs> no, I'll play you a bit. That was kind of fun. It's like a Hot Wheels commercial. I was shown this song and it's just really cool. It's from Bad and I've never heard it. I mean, I feel like I only know the Michael Jackson hits mostly. So this was like a fun one. Oh, you eating a banana in the middle of recording. Like you couldn't, we're at the end. You couldn't wait. It's not like it's crunchy. You couldn't wait 10 minutes. Bananas aren't crunchy. You couldn't wait 10 minutes. That... No, I didn't eat today and it's 3.30 Well, that's your own fucking fault. You got up at noon. Because I went to bed at 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm seeing a lot of your fault here, actually. No. We had this set up for this time for... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, I'm, so. and here I am eating a banana. Well, thank you for listening. You can follow us at Two Servings Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We now, and Twitter. We now have a Twitter. Yeah. Tweets, um, twatting, twit smack. Twatting. <laughs> yeah, twit smack. Oh, there you go. I don't know what those are. Yeah, twit smack. <laughs> or you can email us at twoservingspod at gmail.com. We will have uh, Dr. Torex information in the bio and all of our links as well. So. And um, I just want to say, I haven't gotten any fucking emails. So I'm really, I'm really disappointed in all of you. In fact, I might just lose it. You've lost it. You've lost it. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because uh, we told you so. And we want Tim Apple to notice us. Tim Apple. Yeah, that's another Donald Trump reference. Who the fuck is Tim Apple? Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple. He called him Tim Apple. Liam just wants to talk about Trump today. We will see you next time. Please call me Tim Apple. I really need to to be the CEO of Apple right now. Okay, bye. Okay, I'll say bye. Bye 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 bye